Hey watchers, today we're going to cover a film from a genre that we haven't done yet on the podcast, romantic drama. This iconic movie is an 80s staple of teenage summer romance and a killer Oscar-winning soundtrack. So dust off those dancing shoes and turn up that record player, because it's time for 1987's dance classic, Dirty Dancing. Welcome to the Midnight Watch Podcast, the show where we discuss classic, cult, and modern classic movies. We're your hosts, Jeremy and Josh Baruto, and we review movies that are at least 10 years old. Fair warning, we're big on spoilers here, straight from the get-go. We rate these movies in four categories. Number one, the level of impact and success it had when it was released. Number two, how relevant is it today? Number three, our own personal enjoyment of this movie. And number four, is it a Midnight Watch? What is a Midnight Watch? It's a film which completely captures your attention, drawing you in. No matter what time or what part you start watching the movie, you have to finish it. All right. With us today, we have the hostess with the mostest, Jake. What's up, How's everybody? Good? I don't know. I, was, I, was thinking, I got baked goods on my mind. It's like, baked Jake. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that doesn't make sense. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Throwing accusations around here. I'm sorry. I'm I've hungry, a, guys. I've been a lot of different Jakes my whole life, so it's all good. <laughs> all right. Uh, Let's see here. So we've got this one um, was not my pick. This one yep. was. Uh, I don't know. Jake, I think you and I were talking about yeah. like guilty pleasures yeah. or yeah, secret we midnight secret midnight watches. And Definitely. somehow this, this movie came up <laughs> and then. Here we are. <laughs> the the midnight midnight watch. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this is the first time I know that we've had several people ask for uh, rom- us to review romantic movies or romantic comedies, and and I think we already reviewed a romantic movie technically by the um, Altered States, but you know maybe that's not well, technically it. That's more of a sci-fi <laughs> horror psychological. If you're, on, if you're on a lot of shrooms, it's probably it could be, but uh, right. What's not? Nah, but this is. This is definitely our first uh, chick flick, if you will. Yeah, that's true. No, I don't. I don't know if that's politically correct anymore. If we can say that, but that's all right. We'll get canceled, and more than that's it. You know. <laughs> uh, in your defense, it did feel like it was meant for chicks to watch and fall, <laughs> think about how they're going to fall in love with the man in a lot of scenes. So, very well, true. Though. I don't know if this is true because I've been questioning a lot of things people have been telling me all my life, but I have heard that like men are actually more romantic than women are because like they have to come up with all of the stupid crap to to do that. When I say stupid crap, I actually really enjoy that stuff too. So sure, th- I don't know if that's true or not. So uh, I agree that w- with that. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think that. I think for sure we're more romantic than we want to admit. That's that's probably definitely true. Yeah. Wait, what'd you it's, say? It's it definitely it's a it's a deep uh, it's a deep matter, but uh, in a nutshell, yeah, I'd say same men are. <laughs> right. I, th- I think I became, be. I think I became more romantic when I uh, wanted attention from a woman. <laughs> so, <laughs> besides it de- mom, it, could, it can definitely be a switch you turn off and off uh, too. Oh, uh, very true. Very yeah, true. Yeah, we're not we're not always romantic all the time, but. Anywho, <laughs> what are this you talking movie, about? <laughs> so much romance, dude. I'm romantic 100% of the time, 60% of the time. 
You dog, you. Okay, Sex Panther. Anyways. That's right. After that awkward conversation, Dirty Dancing, 1987, directed by Emil Ardolino. Ardolino. I think that's how you say that. My phone kept changing it up and being like, that's spelled wrong. And I was like, you don't know what you're doing. So, score by John Morris, written by Eleanor Bergstein. The budget was $6 million, and the box office brought in a cool $214 million, which I was uh, doing some research on this, and I think they're considering also when it was re-released in, like, what, 2010 or something like that, um, when Conan O'Brien was right. was really pushing to have it re-released, and then they actually re-released it. So I think that's uh, some inflation right there. Otherwise, this would be an insanely... Pro- uh, insanely high movie with making money in the 80s. I mean, 214 million? Right. No, yeah, it's probably an all-inclusive number, but it still did very well, obviously. Yeah. Oscar nominated for the, the soundtrack. Actually, I think for a few other things, too, but definitely for the soundtrack and the, the song, Time of Your Life, in right. particular. It won, too. And it should have, because that's the song that I got quote on a daily basis before I've ever seen this movie. <laughs> I know I was I was talking to somebody at work today and we were saying how even if you've not seen this movie like you know the song from the movie you and know you the just, soundtrack you just know the vibe like you could play it at a dance never even seen the movie before and be like this is a slow dance song we're gonna get really like it's freaky all of a sudden and <laughs> right <so> right <laughs> I iconic eighties track which is so funny to me because it's a movie that takes place in the sixties and it has all this for the most part period correct music and then. The hit song, like the main song of the movie, is this obviously, you know, something that wasn't even sonically invented yet for another 20 years. <laughs> totally hardcore 80s song. All right, uh, so with the cast, we have uh, Patrick Swayze, Jennifer Grey, Cynthia Rhodes, Jerry Orbach, Kelly Bishop, Jane Brucker. Brucker. I say I thought I was going to get through this without messing up anybody's names. <laughs> uh, Max Cantor and Lonnie Price. But well, what I was going to say was you got you to gotta mention Wayne Knight. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Dress all the, Park, dude. All the terrible yeah. one-liners. Everything, everything else yeah. he's been in. Yeah. Seinfeld. Yeah. Newman from Seinfeld. Wait, I thought that's who we were talking about. Yeah. I have to say, though, anytime I see that dude, Jake, you nailed it. I think of Jurassic Park uh, with the whole, like, shaving cream can. You <laughs> yes. Know? Yes. Yep. Every time, dude. Yeah. Eating, like, Cheetos and Doritos or something Straight the whole time. Up, dude. I always Straight afraid up. somebody's going to spit in my eyes when I'm shaving, you know. It's just, <laughs> it happens. See, to me, I always I always think of the principal from Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison. Yeah. And he ends up being the, uh, the heel wrestler or whatever. Okay. I'm so Never mind. Not, I'm sorry. Not not a big not a big crowd for uh, Billy Madison here. <laughs> okay. Um, I only the the main thing I remember from that movie is when they he everybody pees their pants and then when he's like trying to get questions right, Chris Farley's like that is correct and then takes his shirt off. Right. <laughs> Anyways. And O'Doyle rules. O'Doyle rules. That. Yeah. Okay, man. So far off track here. Yeah. Bring it back, fellas. Bring it back. Okay. Jeremy, but, Jeremy, continue telling us the, the deets of this movie. No, that's about it. So, uh, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Before we forget about this, because we were terrible about this, um, how about where were you the first time you experienced Dirty Dancing? Jake, since, uh, since I don't get to talk to you very often, where were you the first time? Um, I would have to say I was probably in a diaper. Um, <laughs> that is dirty. <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> that I saw this movie on the floor somewhere. On a blanket or something like that. <laughs> there you go. Having the time of your life. Is it too time early to make life. that joke? 
Oh no, we need we need to make that joke as many times as possible tonight. Okay. <laughs> Josh, well, what about you? Uh, I think the first time I watched it, at least all the way through, I'd probably seen bits and pieces of it. I, mean, I knew what it was, but the first time I definitely watched it was with Trinity, probably when we were dating. Actually, I know 100% when we were dating was the first time I watched it because it was her one of her like top three. I think it still is one of her top three movies. Nice of all time. So I I've seen it quite a few times. I um, first time I ever saw this movie was January. I had never seen this movie before. Are you serious? Yeah, wow. I um, I was Dang. when yeah Harper was born, and I was just working through a ton of movies, and then yeah Aubrey and I watched it, and I was like. I know that the movie's called Dirty Dancing, but there's a lot of dirty dancing in this movie. <laughs> Facts. Facts. <laughs> I, I was yes. like, I was like, dang, like they don't they don't hold back. Like they, we, we're gonna, I know we're gonna circle back to that because as as dads here, I think mm-hmm. we have some opinions. <laughs> what, <laughs> right. what kids are, what kind of dancing kids that, are doing? That still don't fly in my book. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see any room for Jesus between those people. <laughs> Or the Holy Spirit. It, right. it was, oh, man. Hey, let me read this synopsis, and then let's. we got to get into it. This is, this is going to be fun. Okay. In the summer of 1963, Frances Houseman, or Baby, is vacationing with her parents, Jake and Marjorie, and her older sister, Lisa, at Kellerman's, an upscale Catskills resort, owned by Max, Jake's friend. Exploring one night, Baby secretly observes Max instructing the waiters, all Ivy League students, to romance the guest's daughters, no matter how unattractive. Max also demeans working-class entertainment staff, including Johnny Castle, one of the dance instructors. Baby is attracted to Johnny and dances briefly with him after his cousin Billy introduces them at a secret, dirty dancing party for resort staff. Baby learns Johnny's dance partner, Penny, is pregnant by Robbie, a waiter and a womanizer who attends Yale School of Medicine, and now has his eye on Lisa. When Robbie refuses to help Penny, Baby, without explaining why, borrows money from her father to pay for Penny's abortion. At first, Penny declines as it would cause her and Johnny to miss a performance at a nearby resort, costing them the season's salary, but Baby volunteers to stand in for Penny. During her dance sessions with Johnny, they develop a mutual attraction, and except for their failure to execute a climactic lift, Baby hesitated, Johnny and Baby's performance is successful. Back at Kellerman's, Penny is gravely injured by the botched abortion, and Baby enlists her father's help to stabilize Penny. Angered by Baby's deception and assuming Johnny got uh, Penny pregnant, Dr. Houseman orders Baby to stay away from them. Baby sneaks off to apologize to Johnny for her dad's treatment but Johnny feels he deserves it due to his lower status. But then they freaking bang. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) Baby reassures him of his worth, declaring her love. They began secretly seeing each other, Mm -hmm. and her father now refuses to talk to her. (laughs) Oh, they're seeing each other already. Slow down, girl dad. (laughs) (laughs) Scene... Scene from the dancing fi- uh, finale. Uh, oh, that was the sorry. That was the caption for the picture that was in the middle of my synopsis that I erased. And anywho, Johnny rejects an indecent proposal by Vivian Pressman, an adulterous wife who instead sleeps with Robbie, inadvertently failing Lisa's own plan to lose her virginity to him. When Vivian spots Baby leaving Johnny's cabin, she feels spurned and attempts to revenge on Johnny by claiming he stole her husband's wallet. Max is ready to fire Johnny. But Baby backs up his alibi, revealing she was with Johnny at the time of the theft. 
The real thieves, Sidney and Sylvia Schumacher, are caught, but Johnny is still fired for mixing with Baby. Before leaving, Johnny tries to talk to Dr. Houseman, but is only accused of trying to get at Baby. Baby later apologizes to her father for lying, but not for her romance with Johnny, and then accuses him of classism. At the end of season talent show, Dr. Houseman gives Robbie a letter of recommendation for medical school, but when Robbie admits that he got Penny pregnant and then insults her, Dr. Houseman angrily grabs the envelope back. Johnny arrives and disrupts the finale or the final song by bringing Baby up on stage and declaring that she has made him a better person. And then they do the dance they practiced all summer, ending with a successful performance of the climactic lift. Dr. Houseman admits he was wrong about Johnny and reconciles with Baby. And all the staff and guests join Baby and, and Johnny dancing to "I've Had the Time of My Life." Yep. Okay. It was pretty epic. Just first off, real quick, and then I'm going to try to not hog the mic. Um, so, <laughs> the, this apparently there's a big deleted scene actually, which I did watch it. It's on YouTube. It will not be in the notes for this thing because I'm lazy. The big scene is actually like they talk while they're dancing, and she's like, "What if we uh, like start drifting apart, or we we you know like blah blah blah?" And then he's like, "We'll keep on fighting. We'll keep on fighting like you have to." So then it's like very clear they're going to stay together. But apparently mm -hmm. it messed up with just kind of the mood of, like, everybody's dancing and stuff. So even though it's, like, kind of pivotal to the story and, be, and it makes sense that they would actually stay together versus it just being a summer fling. So technically they did stay together in case anybody was wanting to know that. Right. Yeah, I think I did see that. It's on, I think Trinity has a, the special edition DVD. Yeah, I think it's the, is it so the think... 2017 DVD or something like that? Uh... I don't remember. Well, the, the one we have would be older than that. Mm. So, I don't know. I've seen, I'm pretty sure I've seen that clip before. Cool. Jake, did you have a, a story about watching it with your mom, or was it just the fact that you watched it all the time with your mom growing that's up? That's it, dude. That's it, man. <laughs> I just watched it. I will, I will say that from then and now, there's so much more I picked up in the storyline that I did not pick up as a kid. That I'm Oh, like, for wow, sure. Dude, this, I mean, because this movie's pretty much about abortion, straight up, like. Yeah, yeah that's a huge that plot. A, didn't get that as a kid. <laughs> right. <laughs> Dude, just, the other thing I, I realized... See, I just saw adults talking all the time, and um, sure. and then all of a sudden I saw a bunch of dance practicing and, and skin. And right. Stuff, and I'm like, yeah, I like, I like chicks. I like females. Right. And you're like, hey, I, I like chicks. Doing it for me. That's... I mean, the other, the other thing I noticed as I was watching it, this is totally Lady in the Tramp. Facts. <laughs> Thanks. Oh my gosh! Yeah, you know, yeah, you're absolutely Up, right. Uptown girl and the and the the bummy, you know, poor kid and it's like all you that. Know, will, I, they, will they get together? All that I didn't pick up either as a kid. Like that, it was all oh, super wealthy upper class people, and he's this low life grunt cockroach guy who's really good right. at dancing. <laughs> right, you know? right. But now it's like you can that that image is ingrained in you right off the bat. Yeah, that's so. Yeah, it definitely. It's just—I don't know if it's just because we're dads now or, or what—but for one, I mean, like you were saying, Jeremy, like there's some that dancing is filthy, man. They're just grinding, right? <laughs> you it, know. And I'm watching it with the girls. Like it was their first time watching it, and I was so uncomfortable. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and you're, yeah. you should be like, you should have paused it and been like, okay, this is a teaching moment. No. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no. I, I actually forgot as well how uh, how detailed that was, and I was like, man, I watched that so many times as a kid. I cannot <laughs> right. imagine how how much that really like got stuck in my head 
Hey. Oh, sure. There you go, man. Well, it's funny. We had the opposite thing happen when we reviewed, reviewed uh, Beetlejuice. Is I remembered that movie actually being kind of kind of uh, pretty crass with uh, Beetlejuice's character, and my wife did not remember that at all. So she was kind of like surprised by that. Versus this movie, she's like, "Oh yeah, I remember all that stuff." And I was just like, "Oh," because I had this I had this thought process. Like I grew up watching The Sound of Music and The Music Man, and so like maybe right. Singing in the Rain was a little racy, but you know we got through it. We had to fast <laughs> forward through a couple scenes because I think we might have seen right. a few people's knees. But um, right. <laughs> bare bare knees. Yeah, yeah. Can't call them legs. Got to call them limbs. But anyways, uh, I was just like, for some reason in my mind, I was like, yeah, this is gonna be like a classic, clean movie. I have no idea why. It's not like the the the, the name of the movie lied to me. It's like you know, <laughs> hey, you said you were gonna. It's like no, this is straight up what it is. And so it was just so funny because I was just like. They started, and I was like, oh, whoa, this is different. I was like, they, they don't have this inside musicals. And then I was like, wait, right. I felt the same way about Grease. I was like, wait a minute, you can't say that. This is a musical. And anyways, obviously. So there's, I had one little story. Um, so apparently when Trinity was watching this as a teenager, she might have even been in junior high, but she was watching it with her, her cousin at her grandma's house. And so grandma's watching it with them. And then there's the the lovemaking scene. And I guess when he when Patrick Swayze gets up in the morning and he's pulling his pants on, I guess for like a like for one frame of the movie, you can see like side butt as he's pulling his pants up or whatever. Technically, it's, gra- technically it's side <laughs> muscle, but you know whatever. Side muscle. <laughs> oh no, there's some booty there. And apparently, Grandma got really excited and was like, "Oh my!" And there may have been some rewinding of the uh, of the VHS for another oh peek. Oh my god! From Grandma, frame by frame, Grandma. <laughs> yeah, she had. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, works. It works for all ages. This movie. <laughs> yes, that's true. Um, hey, uh, speaking of the Swayze, Jake, have you seen the the Patrick Swayze mural that's in like North Nashville? No, I have not. There's this like. Are you serious? Like bar? Yes. Dude, there bar is something about deli. him out here. Like the people, the locals here, they love Patrick Swayze. There's something about so, him out here, dude. Mm. And apparently, on his birthday, this bar celebrates Saint. Patrick Swayze Day. Oh, that's and, awesome! Uh, <laughs> I believe it. It's uh, it's pretty cool. I'll have to put a picture of the mural up um, when we do the Instagram post for this episode. But anywho, oh, so Patrick Swayze's the man. Like, what a what a stud! Like, he was. Well, that's the funny thing too. For this movie, he was like, I don't know, 10, 15 years older than the character he's supposed to be playing. He's supposed to be like yeah. twenty, and he was like thirty five. Right. Same for Jennifer Grey. I think she was in her late. 20s yeah she was uh, 27 28 yeah yeah i didn't realize that she was a baby face i thought she was genuinely young because i know they were both in uh red dawn together right oh and speaking of that apparently they hated each other like she she did not like hated each other she didn't like him well i guess he didn't care for her either because they really had to work through a lot of stuff with uh like there's one scene in the movie where they're dancing and she's like ticklish and he's like getting kind of mad at her. Mm-hmm. But apparently the camera was just rolling. They were just practicing between takes. Right. And the, the director liked it so much because of it. It just felt, you know, real. And so right. they actually kept that in the movie. And he's like <laughs> snapping off at her a little bit. From Which watching is... some interviews and stuff, it seemed like a lot of takes of that movie were was that where they were just filming her learning how to dance and him teaching her how to. Right. right, and then it actually made it playing, into the movie, which is pretty awesome. Playing as those roles, as yeah. those, off those names. 
Well, like those, uh, I know, for example, that one iconic scene where they're um, kind of crawling towards each other, not in bed. This is on, when they're on the ground. And right. um, <laughs> and so anyways, before, before they get the dancing going, and that whole scene was actually them just warming up and goofing off before they actually right. technically did the scene. But it was so good that then they were, um, yeah, That's and that's like one of the iconic scenes from the movie. But I, yeah, I have a note here saying that Patrick Swayze had to convince Jennifer Grey to be in the film because she had disliked him so much while filming Red Dawn which was three yeah. years before. And then um, apparently like they had really good chemistry when they did the screen test, but then they started getting on each other's nerves. Like you were saying, like that's the other scene. Um, and so they actually literally, the director had to sit them down and have them watch the screen test again for them to get the chemistry back. Cause they were really starting to <laughs> right. knock it along again. Right. And I just, I think that's hilarious just seeing that. Cause you, you want to believe that like they're really in love in real life and all that jazz and stuff, but right, like, they actually really like each other. And it's like, no, that's some good acting right there. Right. Top you can notch. despise somebody and yet sell, sell it that, you know, become one of the most iconic romantic movies of all time. I yeah. said lucky for him. He did really well with handling that and then making his character just seem frustrated with her learning how to dance. Sure. <laughs> or or he's a bad actor and they just caught that. <laughs> right. Either way. It was oh, gold. And speaking of uh, Swayze and his badassness, uh, the only time I've ever questioned that at all or that he might have taken it too far is when he took that post out and banged the window out so he could unlock it in the middle of the rain. Oh, yeah. And I was like, dude, you just did that to that car, man. <laughs> oh, man. I thought you were going to say... <laughs> For some reason, I thought you were going to say in Roadhouse when he, like, rips the dude's neck out, and he's like, what? <laughs> and, and I was like, no, that's a cool scene. It's totally over the top, but yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, I mean, I wonder how many I wonder how many dudes, especially back in the day, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe begrudgingly or maybe secretly were excited to watch this movie because he was, I mean, he was in so many cool, like, yeah. tough action-type movies. And then, you know, obviously he did this. Well, he did Ghost as well with Demi Moore. Right, right. So he wasn't he wasn't a stranger to the romantic stuff. But he more, I mean, really more of the time, he was just this kind of badass action dude, kind of really strong, masculine character, which, I mean, he was in this too, but. You know, what's, what's funny too, though, is actually like I was reading that he was like a chronic smoker, which is why he died of cancer. But he they said it, like, mm-hmm. he smoked like literally 10 packs a day. Yeah, and then, like 30 uh, to 40 cigarettes? Yeah. That's, and that's he, insane. And he was a functioning alcoholic, so like his personal life apparently was horrible, unlike uh, his actual on-screen thing. You know, you think he's this clean-cut, you know, whatever guy. And right. It's Pretty a, good dude. It's really kind of unfortunate, you know. But it's it's funny, though. You listen, you, uh, Jennifer Grey, when he passed away, she was saying that, like, she remembers working with him in this movie, and it was delightful and all that stuff. And I was like, yeah, age definitely changes your opinion on things. Oh, for um, sure. Well, and the guy had died, so right, right. she's not so, going to come out and say, that yeah, jerk, I hated working yeah, he, with him every minute. <laughs> he was a douche. Uh, okay, who's next? Yeah. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I hope he had a good life, but it didn't sound like, it sounded like it was kind of kind of a rough life for him. Yeah. Uh, also, he did all of his own stunts, and he fell off the log, uh, on the log scene multiple times, and he injured his knees so badly, he had to drain the, have the fluid drained from the swelling for them to continue. So, I was wondering about that. I, I didn't do any research on it, but I, when I saw that scene, I was like, man, I wonder how much they filmed this shot. Right. Because that was right. Like, that had to take, take a little while to get that done. Right. Right. There's no way it's, you know, it's just one take magic on something like that. Oh, because that's, that's the other thing. They kept filming this movie at, like, 
um, I don't know if it was in the fall or getting close to winter, but it was apparently it was freezing. Yeah, and uh, it was it was at least in the fall because I guess the uh, the set designers had to spray paint the trees green. Oh, are you wow. serious? I didn't read that to cover up the fall colors. <laughs> wow! And so whenever they're walking around in like really light clothes, you know, summer wear, apparently they were freezing, and so some of the some of the long shots when they're you know f- further away in the scene, um, they're actually like chattering, like they're so cold, even wow. though they make it look like you know it's. It's summertime. It's 90 degrees. Well, yeah, I was going to say, like, the one scene when they're in the water practicing the run and it's far away. Um, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, that's the scene where it's like their lips were literally blue while they were doing that. Right. That's that's, that's crazy. That is super intense. Um, well, I guess they filmed it at, like, what, two or three different summer camps? I think or so. Or just, I mean, maybe not necessarily summer camps, but some of those old... Um, well, the whole idea is that, I mean, Kellerman's, it's like that old Jewish um, family kind of getaway, vacation getaways that they would do since Jews weren't necessarily allowed into other, you know, camps. Being in the future now in 2021 and then the Kellerman guy talking about how, you know, what all the kids want today is uh, oh, for is sure. this and that. And I was like, man, you have no idea, dude. It, it changed yeah. so dramatically. Like, <laughs> Thinking of all these people spending loads of money going to a camp somewhere, it's like, no, you just send your kids there now, right? Right. <laughs> if they even if they even want to go, yeah. but yeah, I mean, that's crazy that the whole family would go and spend an entire summer at a place like that. I mean, that's that's pretty. I mean, actually, kind of sounds kind of cool if it was if they had enough activities that you'd want to do. Some of that's a little oh, cheesy now. Now, now you but, just go on a cruise, right? Yeah, you're right. Cruises are definitely yeah, you what just go the, on a cruise. It's got it's the whole package, and then eventually you stop is. somewhere where you can chill at a beach and buy a t-shirt or something. Right? <laughs> no, you nailed it, man. That's exactly what that is. Okay, uh, I wanted to bring this up real quick. Oh, by the way, also this is the first VHS movie to sell a, mi- a million copies. It was like super hot on VHS. It came we out own, that we own that VHS, dude. Here you go. Here you go. <laughs> I stared at it a lot. That's how I watched it so many yeah. times. <laughs> Wore it out. One thing I want to know is I they t- you know the sequel is technically a prequel where it's uh, takes place in Cuba, and right. uh, Patrick Swayze actually plays a dance instructor in that movie. So technically he's in the sequel, but he's like more of a cameo, kind of a David Hasselhoff sort of thing. Right. Um, yeah. Not not actually Johnny Castle. Right. So for me, I want to see the prequel prequel about this. I'm watching this movie a second time to for the for us to review it. And I want to know the backstory behind Tito Suarez, you know, the black guy that's yeah. leading, that's doing the tap dancing and all that stuff. Yeah, the, the Cuban dude. That guy's seen some stuff. I want to see, like, this is Alfred Pennyworth, <laughs> but, like, in the 1960s. Like, I want to see some Tito Suarez action, you know? Yeah, I don't know, I don't know how that movie would Okay, be. you guys suck. Like, I'm, I'm, yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I'm it was like, a nice try, bro. I'm half nice joking, try. but at the same time, I'm just like... Yeah, him and Kellerman look at each other at the end, and Kellerman's like, you know, this has changed and stuff. And then I can't remember. He says something, and I'm just like, that guy's seen some stuff. I want to, I want to see. Right. I want to see this right. like World War II action movie or something. Seems like a <laughs> he's like a spy. That's not even his real name. Just throw everybody right. off. Yeah. Throw them all off. Yeah. Love it. I'm gonna start a podcast. Call it the Tito Suarez podcast. <laughs> wow. Anyway, you're, you're rolling with this, you're going strong. <laughs> hey, I've had time to think about it. Oh, uh, by the way, okay, so just to put this forward, the first time I watched this movie in January, I was not a fan. I was just like, this movie is. What didn't you like about it? Everything. 
Uh, it was just, it was too slow. I just wasn't super interested. Honestly, uh, to be a, to be completely honest, it was a lot more serious than I expected it to be. I thought it was going to be a lot more cheesy, but it's actually really not that cheesy of a movie. Um, yeah. It's pretty serious. Like, you, you said it right where it's not a romantic comedy, it's a romantic drama. And so I thought this was going to be, like, swinging in the rain or something, you know, like something totally, like, lighthearted right. and stuff, because everybody loves this or movie. Like say Anything or one of those kind of right. cheesy 80s teen right. romantic comedy type deals. And so it was just way more serious. And, yeah, I just didn't really like it too much. It was just kind of, I was like, okay, well, I saw that. Probably never watch it again. And then, like, a month later, Josh, you're like, so we want to review Dirty Dancing. And I'm like, <laughs> I was like, dang you, Josh, I just watched you're that. Little, uh, okay. <laughs> well, let's just say before, yet, to get, before I get to the end, my opinion has changed, but I'll get to that later. Sure, sure. Jake, you hit it early on um, just saying how abortion is such a, that was like a huge um, subplot to the movie. Mm-hmm. and. Yeah. And watching this as a parent and seeing, I mean, I, I keep I keep saying parent. That's not necessarily has to play into that. But this movie handles some really heavy subjects. I mean, you have classism for sure. That's the whole Lady and the Tramp thing. And then dealing with abortion and especially dealing with abortion in a time where it was illegal. It, and, also, it also touches on, you know, just what defines being a good person. Oh, for sure. And, and, yeah. and being challenged with being a good person for making good choices while everyone around you is it might push the opposite direction or doubts that good could even come at all that right good could even happen you know and then every time she you know ran to daddy you know <laughs> right they had to shut her down but hey she she and then eventually you know swayze acknowledges that like hey that took guts to, yeah. to actually go there to give yourself away and eventually you let your dad know that you've been screwing around and stuff I mean, right <laughs> just, right. just well, to save I, someone's life or uh save someone from a situation yeah well you see and i i feel like i noticed this the last this recent time watching it that she's really a pretty strong character from the get-go like yeah you, there's kind of this idea that oh she's learning to be confident and step out of her shell and be her own person it's like yes that's true but she's got this she does have like a stubborn streak. She does have a, a strength in her that you see pretty much from the get go. I mean, the fact that she goes to that dance, you know, I carried a watermelon, you know, that whole thing. <laughs> it honestly reminded me a lot of myself in my life. Like I've always been in the back seat and the youngest mm-hmm. one, and and then when you show up places, I just kind of like watch people and observe things. And she was very much that same kind of vibe. And that yeah. to me is always just like a, a wiser person is going to be like that. You know, they're just they've been listening to things and they've been experiencing from from the background, and then people sure. start chiming in on on that kind of personality. And then, like you said, when it was time for her to stand up and you know back up or defend Johnny, she did. Same thing for you know I'm going to get this money to you know I got to do the right thing for Penny because her life's going to be destroyed if she doesn't you know terminate this pregnancy and. Um, but yeah, what a cool character. Like I, I just kind of, I guess in the past, I just kind of thought of her as sort of the ditzy girl who learns to dance. Nowadays kinda... it's like you have the baby and then you just file against that dude and get, get his rich money. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it was her loss. Yeah. That, that's a good point. He would have gone to medical school. Dark, dark comedy there. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> she was not playing the long game. <laughs> no. Man, we're going to get canceled. So uh, That's all right. 
<laughs> Thanks, Jake. So one thing I want to bring up before we wrap things up is the soundtrack, which the, I mean, as we were saying earlier, the soundtrack, in, in particular the song I've Had the Time of My Life, was nominated for an Oscar. It won. Um, apparently they were... Um, they were not anticipating the soundtrack was going to be such a hit. And before they'd even dropped uh, a single, um, they had something like, I'm probably way over exaggerating this. I don't have the info in front of me, but it was something like a million pre-orders or a hundred thousand pre-orders yeah. for the album. And they haven't even dropped a single yet. So it blew it. up. And then it, it also, well, yeah. And then it also won, I think it won a Grammy, but it also won just about every other music award for that year yeah. with that song. And then on top of that, um, it totally kicked off like a 1950s, early 60s rock and roll revival. So all those songs and music from those those eras were just blowing up again, which I know the 50s were like the cool retro time period in the 80s. Right. Especially with Stephen King and stuff. Oh, well, him too. Yeah, for sure. We owned that soundtrack at my house too. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> nice. Was it on I record or was it on like tape? It was. Uh, we had it on CD. Oh, oh nice. you, high you said you, you yeah. said you weren't high rolling. I see how it is. <laughs> yeah. Spare no money for dirty dancing in the Colvin household. <laughs> right. <laughs> Going all in. I did see what you were talking about. RCA. Um, I got a note here. That it totally caught him by surprise. And um, yeah, it said the album, Dirty Dancing album, spent 18 weeks at number one. And went a plat went platinum eleven times. Wow! And <laughs> wow! That's insane. Uh, selling. Oh my gosh! And it and honestly, it deserves it. It's got a killer soundtrack. It totally does. It does. Uh, it says spawning more than thirty-two million copies worldwide, and it even spawned a follow-up multi-platinum album in 1988 titled "More Dirty Dancing." <laughs> That's crazy. That an album that has nothing to do with a movie, it was just inspired by it, also went multi-platinum. That is ridiculous like you said like right now we're a culture that's obsessed with the 80s and then the 80 in the 80s they were obsessed with the 50s so like technically yeah. retro love has kind of always been around so oh for sure yeah yeah and i think and this it kind of doubly makes this movie so timeless i mean it's obviously probably having a little bit of a revival now like like we we're saying just because of the you know the 80s are so big now 80s and 90s and um but and being a period piece, it definitely holds up super well when you watch it. You're not it's not like, oh, that's definitely just an eighties movie. Though the one dead giveaway that this is an eighties movie, other than the, the theme song, Jennifer Gray's hair. Like mm. there's no way that was a nineteen sixties hairdo for a teenager. There's just no way. It's like the hair that she had in Ferris Bueller's Day Off and in Red Dawn. Like that nice. was that was her iconic eighties hairdo. So that's that's the dead giveaway that it's an eighties movie. But true. Um, it, it's cool though. I didn't realize she. I didn't realize she was in Furious Bueller's Day Off. Is she, She's is a sister. She, oh my god, sister. Yeah. Wow. I so I did have a note here that she was dating Matthew Broadwick at the time, and yeah. and so apparently they were in a, like a car crash though right before she started going on a tour, uh, break. Yeah. To and, promote this movie. Yeah. So apparently like it was bad. Um, 
No, uh, the car crash, not her dating Matthew Broadwick. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I don't know why <laughs> I'm always digging on Matthew Broadwick. Hopefully, we'll have him on the show sometime, and he'll just like he'll be like, "Dude, you're nothing. Like, you what have you done right. with your life?" And I'll be like, "I can grow a beard, you know." Right. Um, <laughs> so do that, Matthew. I'm yeah. not a fan. I'm not a fan of him either. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure he's a wonderful guy. <laughs> he's probably a super cool dude to kick it with for he sure. He sure. is. Oh, yeah. So I had also had to mention, like, people were trying to pick out plot holes in this movie, which pretty much most of them were kind of like, they, it, they were, they're not, I wouldn't say there's a lot of plot holes in this movie. I think it's actually pretty self-contained. But mm-hmm. what the biggest one that my wife found was when her sister says, where is my beige iridescent lipstick? <laughs> and so <laughs> apparently, like, why would you wear that color? <laughs> so... <laughs> Apparently, like I'm not kidding. Like she's found that online that that's like a legit. Like this is a plot hole in Dirty Dancing, and I'm just like, okay, you're reaching, but we don't know whatever. She never found it. Sure, sure, <laughs> right. Found it. We don't know why she, anyone would need that. Uh, you know, you know who probably needed Tito Suarez. Tito Suarez. He probably took it. Yeah, it's probably not even that's lipstick. That's what it was. Yeah, it's probably like a spy uh, thing from the. Moving on. Oh, I was writing down, I was trying to write down lyrics, or I'm sorry, not lyrics, writing down, let me be honest, I was totally ready to trash this movie when, like, Josh was like, hey, we're going to do Dirty Dancing, and I was like, I can do that, so I was like, I'm going to rewatch this movie and just pick it to pieces, and right. uh, dang it, the second time through, though, like, my, I had a change of heart, but sure. yeah. Well, you probably, you probably right. got it, because if you were going into it yeah. with a certain perception and it didn't deliver that... Right, but you under, but then you understand it, and then rewatch it with the right perception. I'm sure it was better. Are you able to elaborate more on that that change of heart or that change of mind? Yeah, um, like my my heart was changed definitely when Patrick Swayze says the the classic line, "You put your pickle on everybody's plate and leave the hard stuff to me." <laughs> that was that was a game changer. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I, I'm just like is, trying to figure that out to this day. Like, I feel like I understand that, but maybe I don't want to. <laughs> I think just because he said it in his tough guy voice, you just go along with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. You're just that's like, right. oh. you tell him, Patrick. You're like, oh, dang. <laughs> must, have some, must have something to do with giving him the pickle. I, I don't know. It's the best, some, I guess. Something about good work, et- work, good work ethic. I, right, right. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna just leave it at that and not go into it because I think it's gonna get <laughs> extra weird if we do. That is such a an underused quote from the movie that needs to be a T-shirt. I think you're so right, dude. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's that's more, dude. We maybe we should just start doing stickers Patrick for like Swayze shirt with him just holding a plate or <laughs> with, with, with pickles on it. On it. <laughs> <laughs> or we should have a picture of Patrick Swayze as a pickle, and then we can. There we go. No, that's totally rip off of Rick and Morty, I yeah, think. Yeah, right. Oh, it yeah. is. Yeah, we can't have, we can't have Pickle people. Patrick. Yeah, they'd be like, there can only There can only be Pickle Rick. Oh, okay. Yeah, also, too, this the crew had to make Cynthia Rhodes. She, they, had to, they had to actually do a makeup job on her to make her look more ugly because even without makeup, oh, she right. was- that's right. I even, saw that. Even without makeup, she was still really good looking. Right. So that scene to make her look- uh, what, like, a, what a curse. Don't even have to wear makeup and you're stunning. <laughs> right? Right? And Midianite's got nothing pretty. on her. <laughs> I'm going to cut that out. Anyways, um, <laughs> um, I think that's... Oh, that yeah. Night, was that a Nightbreed uh, throwback? Uh, I don't know. I was just. I think that was a Texas joke towards the Amish and the Midianites in there that they don't wear makeup. Uh, I think like one person out of our entire Midianite? fan base. I don't know. Midianites? 
Mennonites. Yep, that was yeah, that was a night breed throwback. Uh, yeah, I it would have it got was. it so much better if he just said Mennonites. <laughs> the Mennonites have nothing on them. Okay, yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> Total side note, rabbit trail. But anyways, my mo- friend at work, he has a Kawasaki mice or Kawasaki motorcycle, and yeah. I literally almost talked to him and I was like, "Hey, man, I like your um, your Kowalski motorcycle because of like Kowalski." <laughs> Because <laughs> my mind yeah. just went straight to Monsters Inc. There, so awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. That uh, is such a good butchering of a name. That's that's pretty sweet. Um, so one little note here I thought was cool is Robbie actually tries to give Baby a copy. Or says uh, tries to lend Baby as an explanation for his refusal to help Penny. At he gives her tries to give her a copy of the Fountainhead by Anne Rand, which was yeah. the she was the creator of a philosophy called Objectivism. Which holds, amongst other beliefs, that it's more important for a person to be concerned with his or her well-being than trying to help others, and so he used that as uh, that's a deep little line there. Like honestly, as a Dude, casual, right. casual yeah, moviegoer, they slid a lot right in there in that moment. They sure I did. Too. I was like, "Dude, what? You just ended your what book?" Right. Yeah. And uh, that's super heavy for like a throwaway line, you know? <laughs> it is. I mean, just to show how heavy this is, like, like. Neil Pert from Rush is like a big fan of Anne Rand's stuff, and of course she also wrote Atlas Shrugs and all that stuff. That's yeah, that's pretty freaking deep right there, and it's a I've, throwaway line. I followed a podcast for probably about eight years where a guy was super liberal and he was dedicated to Ayn Rand and her work. So there you wow. go. I'm, I'm so you know all about that. that. Yeah, I'm connected <laughs> to some of that too. I'm like, man, I've been wanting to read that book, but every time, I don't know. I, for some reason, I just haven't gotten to it yet. Uh, Ayn Rand was on speed uh, the whole time she wrote those books and had Dang. all of her. And she's like the only female that like a documented female philosopher of any time. Really? Wow. It's all men. It's all men. Other than that, she's like the main female philosopher. Wow. So they go. That goes to show even more how this movie. That goes to show even more how this movie. Yeah, that kind of ties pretty, into pretty feminist. Yeah, some of the feminism vibes yeah. in this movie. But yeah, Ayn Rand. She's she's the main feminist philosopher chick person. Yeah, I would definitely nah. say. Um, by the way, Josh, I, uh, I didn't get the chance to comment what you were saying earlier about Baby being a strong female character. You're right. She is a strong female character from the beginning. Uh, she just kind of, I wouldn't even say it comes out of her shell. She just experiences something new. And she's not we, even holding back from that. She kind of jumps right. right into dancing we, and stuff. We almost all realize that, like, subconsciously or consciously, that she's a strong character. But we see throughout the whole movie is everyone else coming to realize that she is a. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's a good twist. Think, uh, I mean, yeah. It's a family. I was going to say, it's a good twist on literally the strong, silent type. Like, that's literally what her character is in this movie. Yeah. Oh, speaking of, uh, I got no segue. But anyways, she got a, a nose job after this movie. She did not actually have, she did not actually get as many roles because people didn't recognize yeah. her. So unfortunately, her career didn't go, like she was big off of this movie. Like that was, a, right. like she was coming off strong after this. And yeah, yeah so because of that, um, there's been conflicting reports. I'm sure she was like, Annoyed at the the loss of fame, but at the same time, she's personally really happy, so I'm happy for her. <laughs> it is amazing how much a nose job can change a person's appearance. Because I oh, look I her know. up too, and I'm like, man, it just doesn't look like her. It's not it, her. It, I know. It's so weird. 
And and then and I'm like, what was wrong with it in the first place? <laughs> I agree. Like, I don't know. Just you looked, were a good looking girl. I just don't get was it. A Jewy kind of nose, and she she knew every. Yeah, we're definitely. People probably thought that stuff. Thanks, but. thanks, Jake. We're definitely getting canceled. <laughs> 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 Bro, we can't cancel. We can't comment on anything. We're white dudes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, get that out. <laughs> That's for the uh, that's for the Patreon members. That's the Patreon <laughs> one, yeah. Um, oh yeah, another thing too. Patrick Swayze and Cynthia Rhodes they actually work together in the music video for Toto's song Rosanna, which is pretty cool. That's a good song. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Show you don't realize how good of a dancer Patrick Swayze really was. In fact, he was. I mean, a total professional dancer, and he was so good that they basically had to dumb him down. So he oh yeah. So he looked like a an amateur dancer, not the actual pro that he was. Dude, I forgot about that. You're right. That's true. And he sang the song. She's like the wind. He like co-wrote it and sang on the, you know, sang the lead uh, vocal on that, which is, dude was a five, you know, or three tool f- threat, whatever you want, however you say that. A triple threat? Triple threat. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> he was, he was like the Bob Hope of the eighties, man. He could do it all. He, he was, he was the man. That's not true. Nobody can touch Bob Hope. But anyways, uh, I think, um, Jake, do you have anything else you want to sum up before this? No more tidbits about? Nope. Okay. So real quick, what was the dating advice that your mom gave you after watching this movie? (laughs) Are you talking to me? Yeah. (laughs) Because I know our dating advice was don't. You just get married. That's it. You know, my parents never really gave much dating advice. Actually, well, no, I'll tell you, my mom was horrible. Like, she was probably <laughs> way opposite of your parent, your guys' okay. mom. Okay. She, she told me to play the field, get to know a lot Dang. of chicks. Yeah, dude. She led me down the wrong direction, man. And it took me all the way through my late teens to realize. I'm like, you know, Wait a I second. should just wow. meet one chick and Dater. She watched too much Dirty Dancing. Well, that being said, you know, I always try to date one chick, but and I, I try. I remember trying once in like my early teens. I, that I was like, oh, I'm gonna try dating two chicks at once. <laughs> and then I remember being like, dude, this is hard. Like, this is this is a lot of pressure. And right. I don't even know if I can handle this, man. This is it was too much. Um. So you were hurt. That's true. You heard it from Pro- us, sir. Props to the players out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't really have any uh, final thoughts uh, if we want to roll into final verdicts. Josh, you got anything before we uh, go into final verdict? I mean, my final verdicts will probably have some of my final thoughts wrapped into it. So let's okay. go. So is this movie, or I should say, was this movie relevant when it came out? How did it do when it came out? Was it relevant? Uh, 100%. Yes. I, actually, I did one more tidbit of information I read was that a fair amount of people did not realize literally that this movie is about abortion big big chunk of it it's not even a subplot it's literally the main storyline she wouldn't have learned how to dance if there wasn't an abortion that needed to be (laughs) had jake just stop it jake Abortion created created the greatest dance move in cinematic I'm just history. Just an honest person, man. <laughs> hey, you we switch. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. We appreciate it. <laughs> it's been a good run, guys. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, I think it definitely it, it killed it. Is it was it um, a hit at the time? Yeah, ab- absolutely. Became an iconic '80s movie straight off the bat. 
one of the more iconic. Maybe I just haven't watched a lot of romantic dramas from the 80s, but I think this one is, if it's not the most popular, it's number two for sure. Definitely up there. What do you think, yeah, Jake? So you give, are you, you give it an A then? Yeah, A. Sorry, I give it an A. What do you think, Jake? I give it an A. What do you think, Josh? Yep. I'm, I don't think there's any way you can't give it an A. Just based on the numbers yeah. that it generated, you know, wins an Oscar, soundtrack goes platinum, when it finally releases on VHS, just blows up. Yeah. Um, massive, massive hit. It's an A plus for sure. Right. What do you guys think? Is it still relevant to date? Does it hold up? <laughs> Jeremy. Uh, I actually, on this one, I'm going to give it an A for is it still relevant? Because I think it's totally still relevant. I think it's one of those classics that's legitimately has never really left pop culture. I think it's just always yeah. been there. What do you think, Jake? Yeah, I definitely think it's still relevant as uh, as far as the movie is concerned and uh, and things that that movie is also attacking or talking about. Definitely still gets an A. Um, just with the, the like you said, Jake, the topics of the movie that it covers and um, still very poignant um, for today's generation as well. So definitely an A. Even yeah. with, with the dancing, and if I had a daughter, I'd be like, dude, <laughs> yep. that's A. You don't go hang out with those people. They're doing some stuff in there that you won't You don't do. need to be doing. You're not carrying, you don't wa- need to be. You're not carrying watermelons for anybody. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, personal enjoyment then. Josh, uh, what's your personal enjoyment on this? Uh, it's Dude, I got to give this one an A. I It, it kind of surprised me. Like, I've always especially after watching it with, with Trinity, you know, all those years ago. And, you know, I enjoyed it. I was like, oh, that's a pretty good movie. And then just, it just keeps getting better for me. And I mm-hmm. think especially objectively watching it this time, you know, to review it and just seeing all the stuff that we've been talking about, I'm just like, dang, this is a this is really a great movie. Yeah. On so many levels. So I am 100% an A for enjoyment on this one. Nice. All right, Jake, what about you? A. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is an easy A on this one all the way through. <laughs> nothing nothing more needs to be said. That's it. Solid. Uh, for me, so like I was going to try to really tear it apart for fun. But then, yeah, the second time I watched it and I realized what I was actually watching. For me, um, I would say I'd probably give it a B just because I don't think I'm going to be like intentionally watching this movie but when it's on i'm going to enjoy it because i definitely it's a it's really for i hate to say it but the romantic drama uh uh, genre is normally looked at as like kind of like a horror movie genre as in like it's a b genre and it's Mm -hmm. not really considered to be like if it's not a drama it's not oscar worthy which technically this movie is oscar worthy then it's not like a a serious movie but this movie dives deep into some really serious issues and surprisingly um yeah it's a it's a really it's a terrific terrific movie and all all my jokes aside though like yeah i definitely i think i got to give it a b i actually really enjoyed it the second time and that's like the scene from i love you man have you guys seen the movie i love you man yeah have you seen that jake Okay, so you remember the part when he's watching uh, Jason Segel is watching Chocolate and he's like watching by himself and he's like, he's smiling and he's like stupid, but he's like smiling because he's all feeling heartwarming. (laughs) He's into it. (laughs) That's me when I'm watching this movie. I'm just like stupid, but I'm totally enjoying it. So yeah, yeah. So I give it a B though. Yeah, and we'll just roll it right into midnight watches. Uh, It's not a midnight watch for me, but yeah, I do enjoy this movie now. I'm converted. 
All right. Well, I got to say, dude, I and I kind of was a little bit surprised, but as I watched this movie, I'm like, this is totally a midnight watch for me. Nice. Like, it, honestly, it would come on, and I would totally <laughs> I would totally finish the movie. Um, I'm invested. And, and, and whether or not that's – it is now, I think, because I realize what a great movie it is, but I also have a lot of emotional – connection to it because of trinity so there's just between those two oh, things yeah. it's it's a solid midnight watch for me uh i'm gonna say about- yet i'm gonna say yes and no uh if it came on in the middle of the night i i would probably finish it out wherever it was at but i watched <laughs> it the other day in the morning and i loved it that way i was like i'll probably do this again sometime in the future and like have like it's a breakfast movie kind of thing for me there you go <laughs> Hey, nice. that's, that should be another podcast we do. Breakfast movies. Breakfast movies. <laughs> that's a good, yeah, that's a good idea. I'm seriously going to write that down. When you, for, for some reason, I don't know why, and this is from me watching that show of Nickelodeon when I was a kid, Are You Afraid of the Dark? And like anytime mm-hmm. something bad happened in that, like the TV would turn on randomly. And so when, for some reason, Jake, when you were like, yeah, if this movie came on in the middle of the night, I'd probably finish it. I'm just imagining you're like dead asleep and the TV turns on and dirty dancing. <laughs> and it's dirty dancing. Oh, you're like, dirty dancing. Oh. <laughs> I guess I'll finish it. I guess I'll finish it. <laughs> it's, it's not Mother weird at all. No. <laughs> you're like, hey, that was pretty good. And you go back to sleep. <laughs> Uh, oh, those poultry guys, they really know what Jake likes. They know their, yeah. They, <laughs> Y'all got me. Yeah. <laughs> got him. Well, I think that about wraps up today's episode. So if you guys want to check out this movie, yeah, I watched it on Amazon Prime. Jake, I'm sure you have a copy of this. Actually, Josh, I'm sure you have a copy of this too. I do have a copy of it. I watched it on Prime. Oh, okay. I do not, I do not own a copy. Oh, okay. Uh, well, his mom. His mom owns the copy. She does own the copy. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah, we popped in the old DVD for this one. Oh, that's cool. That's man. I'm I'm not looking forward to rewatching a bunch of these movies with my daughter and being like, oh, I don't remember that. <laughs> Josh, I feel bad for you. <laughs> uh, oh, good times. Or good shoot. Times. Oh, let's be serious. Or my or sons as well. You know, be like, hey, you there know, you go. You quit that. You know. Uh, well, if you guys want to check out this movie, then obviously buy it or watch it on Amazon Prime. Let's keep the love going for this movie. Thank you so much, Jake, for being on the show and for making us sound good. I appreciate it. Yeah. Not a problem, guys. This is, a, is this your third time being on the show, I think, uh, yeah, in front third, of the mic? Yeah, I think so. Yep. That's awesome. Um, all right. Uh, if you guys enjoyed this movie or this episode as much as we did, don't cancel us. Uh, yeah, thank you guys. Share it with your family and friends. And uh, please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast, especially if you listen to it on Apple Podcasts. And uh, we're available on Spotify, YouTube, and just about every other platform you can get podcasts. Also, um, please check out our Instagram page, um, the the Midnight Watch Podcast. That's probably our biggest way to spread what we're doing. Check out what's what's new with us and whatnot. We are on Facebook and Twitter, but. No one really goes to those, so. <laughs> but they're there. If you're hardcore about Facebook, you can definitely find us there. And uh, also, you can email us at the uh, the Midnight Watch Podcast at gmail.com. That's it. That I got. <laughs> okay. Well, you guys. <laughs> um, you guys, you have a great week. And as always, stay Patrick Swasted. I was trying to use. I was trying to figure out how to use that like the entire time. Um, I had a friend that was always like, bro, I'm going to go get Patrick wasted tonight. <laughs> All right, you guys, keep up the watch.